Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad you're here today. Uh, the flowers, I need to make mention of this. Where's Charles and Daphne? You guys wave right there so everybody knows where you are. Can you wave? Now, I'm not asking you to come up. I just want you to wave. But the flowers today, the arrangement in the sanctuary is in honor of the 62nd wedding anniversary of Daphne and Charles Bridges. So happy anniversary. Let me just mention a couple of things very quickly. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we will begin a spiritual growth session. Dr. Terry Cassino will be with us. He is from Gardner-Webb. Um, he will be speaking about people on the move, challenges and opportunities in global missions. Uh, if you watch the news at all, whether you watch it or read it on a tablet, iPad, or the newspaper, uh, you notice that or know that we have great movement going on within our world today of people groups. And uh, we have many people groups um, represented here, not only in Boiling Springs, but of course in North Carolina. So he's going to be talking about what do we as a church do about that? How can we respond to, these, to the world that are coming to our doorsteps? So uh, be mindful of that. We do have deacon elections this morning, and Roger will be coming up in just a moment uh, to share with you some instructions about that. And we also welcome uh, this morning Candy Wilson, uh, who is with us and will be leading us in worship today, and also her husband Dick. And so Candy and Dick, welcome, and we're glad you're here today. Let's uh, pause now for a moment of prayer this morning, and then Roger will continue with some instructions for our deacon nomination. Father, this is a day that you have made, and help us to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, you are worthy of worship, and we give to you today our songs, our prayers, and our spoken words. May the meditation of our hearts and the words from our lips be pleasing to you. Remind us today of what truly matters. It's not our bank account, it's not our possessions, but Father, you are the source of true riches. Open our hearts to you and to one another and to those that are in need this morning. Father, bless this time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. I welcome you to turn in your hymnal to hymn number three, Worthy of Worship, and please stand and join me in singing hymn number three.
Come here, James. You can be my helper. James. Come here, look. I got a bright yellow ball. Come here and hold it for me. Can't even tempt you, can I? All right. I want everybody to take a ball. Can you pass it down there? James, you want one? Come and get one. Aiden, could you take James one so he could have it? Thank you. All right, everybody has a ball. Everybody has the same ball, don't they? But look at mine. Have I got a better ball? I got a better ball? Yeah, yeah I think I do. Mine's yellow. Hey, Hunter, a rider, excuse me, I do this every time. <laughs> and you always laugh at Miss Ellen when she does it, don't you? <laughs> You've got a plain white plastic ball. Who wants my ball? Sorry, you can't have it. The only one you can have is the plain white one. I get to keep the bright yellow one. Do I have something better than you do? Yeah, I do, don't I? Do you want something more sometimes when you see your friends have got something better? We're not always happy if, let's say, Luke has a bicycle that has a horn on it. Beep, 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 beep. And Aiden has one that has a horn and a basket. Do you might want his bicycle? We need to be happy with what we have. We need to be contented. Pastor Keith's going to talk about contentment in the world. You know, we have a lot, don't we? We have a lot more than a lot of other children have. Now, I want to read you a scripture from Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13. I know what it's like not to have what more than I need. I have learned the secret of being content no matter what happens. I am content whether I am well-fed or hungry. I am content whether I have more than enough or just enough. I can do all this by the power of Christ who gives me strength. God gives us everything we need, doesn't he? And he gives us things that we might want sometimes, but it doesn't matter what we have. We know there is one person who always is there for us, who fills us with love and contentment or love or unhappiness. But you know, we look around and most of us have a loving parent or parents. We have a place to stay. We have food to eat. We have people in this church who love us more than you realize sometimes. So we need to be contented. We need to be happy. So when you look at your ball, and most of yours says, God loves you. If I didn't get all of them written, I'll catch up with you. But God loves you. And we need to always remember that. So let us pray. 
Lord, you give us more than we could ever dream we need. But the most important thing that we have is in our heart. You stay with us, Lord, through thick and thin, through good and bad, through times of need and time of want. You are our constant and most loving companion in these children's hearts. Continue to protect them and guide them as they are your children as well as ours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for having us here today. Though I can't remember all of your names, I already feel like we're becoming friends. Please remind me of your names when I see you. So I was asked to share a little bit about myself today and my story. So I'm gonna start by telling you that I never really thought of myself as not being a Christian because I sort of grew up in church. The members of my immediate family and many of my extended family were members of First Baptist Church of Clyde, North Carolina. That's um, up in the mountains near Cherokee and Maggie Valley, if you've never heard of Clyde. My mother was the organist. My daddy sang in the choir. My grandmother played the piano. So I attended adult choir practice, GAs before I was old enough because my grandmother was the leader, WMU again with my grandmother, and other activities with my parents and my grandparents. We were there regularly. I even loved to play church. I thought I wanted to be a missionary or a singer, so every chance I got to sing or do something at church I thought was a fun time. And I think all of these things influenced my life path. I, attend, I attended Wingate College, which is now Wingate University, and, gradu and graduated with a Bachelor of Music Education degree. During my senior year, I thought I wanted to get a Master's of Music, and I began asking some of my professors their advice about schools. But when I spoke to them, two of them said to me, have you not thought about seminary? Well, I was a little surprised by that, but then one night during my prayer time, it really kind of came to me. Yeah, that's what you should do, go to seminary. So the next question was where? Well, at that time, there were only two places that a Baptist musician would consider to go study to get a Master of Church Music degree. One was Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Texas. The other, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. I like to say that I chose Southern because it wasn't in Texas. <laughs> I thought Texas was too far away and too hot but I know that Southwestern is a fine school. My time at seminary was challenging and enlightening. I had grown up in a church with women deacons. My minister of youth and education was also a woman. So I never thought it odd that God called me to music ministry. It was not until after I arrived at seminary that I discovered that many Baptist churches did not have women deacons, and many thought that women shouldn't even be in ministry. 
By the time I graduated, women in ministry was a pretty hot issue, and I, I, I had difficulty trying to find a place to serve. But I had a United Methodist friend who was an associate pastor at um, a church in Louisville. He was a classmate of mine from Southern. And he said to me, we're looking for a minister of music. Do you think you might be interested? So that became my first place of ministry when I finished seminary. After I had been in service there for a few months, the senior pastor of that United Methodist Church wrote my home church to suggest to them that I should be ordained. And they did that very thing in September of 1982. That whole interview process with my ordination council was one more experience. One member of that um, council was a male pastor, and he kept reminding all the others that if they ordained me, I would be able to marry and bury people. <laughs> I just knew that he wasn't in favor of this process, much less in favor of my being ordained. They, the council was very thorough, and they questioned me on all kinds of issues. And then the man who had all along been pointing out what it would mean if they recommended me to be ordained said, I believe this woman has been called by God and she should be ordained. Well, I was amazed and that was all it took. Once he said that, everybody voted and they ordained me the following morning during the worship service. It was a very spiritual and moving experience for me, and I foolishly thought that it would only be a matter of a few years before I would be serving in a Baptist congregation. But the crisis in the SBC only worsened over the next few years, so I continued in ministry in the United Methodist Church. Although they were very welcoming to me, I didn't feel at home, and I was especially uncomfortable with the hierarchy of church governance. After many years and a growing restlessness, I began to try to find a place where I would feel more at home doing ministry. That is when I connected with the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. They seem very Baptist to me, actually. They practice believers' baptism. Their big claim is no creed but Christ. They believe in the priesthood of the believer. And each church is autonomous. They were very accepting of me and encouraging to me. They affirmed my gifts of ministry, and after a two-year process, the denomination recognized my ordination. That's the place where I served for 14 years. But during that time, there was a growing longing to be back in a Baptist congregation, to go back to my roots, to struggle with my people in following God's leading. After all, Baptists raised me, educated me, and ordained me. I kept thinking, shouldn't I be back in Baptist life, giving of myself in ministry? But I was afraid I would be seen as a deserter or someone who just tried everything. I thought I wouldn't be given a chance to return home. But I did talk to several Baptist colleagues and friends who often said things to me like, we need people like you back in Baptist life. It's where you belong. I do believe that I've been enriched both personally and professionally by having had the opportunity to serve in other Protestant denominations. It was not as if I were in exile, 
but at times it did feel like I was a stranger in a strange land. So in 2009, I got the opportunity to return to my Baptist roots. I've been serving Baptist congregations since, and now I may have the opportunity to serve at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, a church with a rich tradition, a church that is open to women serving in ministry, and a church that is full of good, loving people. I've heard so many good things about this congregation from people I trust and respect. There are no words to express how I feel about the possibility of serving here. It would be a gift to me. For my entire life, I have tried to seek first and foremost to follow God's leading, and I sincerely feel a call to this new path in my journey. I know you don't really know me, but I want to assure you that I love God's church, and I love Jesus. I love serving through music, and I apologize for crying. And I love to strive to equip and enable the saints of God to carry out the ministry to which God has called them. I love music and all kinds of music, and I'm not really sure why I have such an appreciation for a wide variety of music. But I have worked with all kinds of musical groups, both instrumental and choral and handbells. I love working with all ages, from children through adults. And I enjoy working with a praise band as much as I enjoy working with an orchestra or a chamber ensemble. I suppose one of the reasons for my broad range of musical taste is because God has created each of us as individuals. There are all kinds of people and different things speak to different people in different ways. And after all, no matter what our mode of musical communication, isn't our main purpose to communicate the message of God's love to all the world? Whether through music or in other ways of ministry and mission, I firmly believe our purpose and calling as we strive to be the people God has called us to be is to communicate God's love and grace in any way that we can and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to all those with whom we come in contact. So I would like to quote one of my favorite anthems by Alan Pope, who also happens to be one of my favorite composers. We know not where the road may lead, but we move in faith, making love our creed as we follow. The journey is our home. Thank you for having me here to share with you today and for sharing some of who you are with me. May God bless you all as you seek to be the congregation that God has called you to be. And now it's time for our in-gathering hymn. It, it is for the North Carolina Missions Offering. We'll be singing number 390, We Are Called to Be God's People. As we stand to sing, the RAs and GAs will be at the front holding baskets. Please make your way down an aisle and place your offering in one of those baskets. Now please stand and join me in singing number 390, We Are Called to Be God's People.
be seated. We're going to be reading this morning 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11 and 17 through 19. If you want to turn to your pew Bible, it's page 1,336 and 37. 1,036. Yeah, 1,036. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's why she's reading this morning. <laughs> There's great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into, tem into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and hurtful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Aim at righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. As for the rich in this world, charge them to not be haughty, nor set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God who richly furnishes us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good deeds, liberal and generous, thus laying up, them, up for themselves a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life which is life indeed. Before I pray today, let's continue to be mindful of Sherry Cox. She continues to over, overall be doing well, but she continues to develop some fluid, and uh, she is having that uh, procedure, another procedure done to take care of that tomorrow. So continue to be in prayer for Sherry as she continues to struggle, but the doctors overall are pleased, again, with, with how things are progressing. Also, Margaret White is, is home and had uh, hip surgery um, and seems to be doing well. I spoke with her a couple of days and was very excited about that. But uh, with, let's continue to remember her. And also before we pray, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that we've had some, some uh, disturbance in the city nearby in Charlotte. And so let's continue to be in prayer for that city, for its police officers, and for the family of Keith Scott. Um, we certainly have issues and, and, uh, that are worthy of discussion. And um, the church, God's people, need to be in prayer for our communities and for our leaders, as we talked about last Sunday as well. So join me now in prayer. Father, we come to you today um, rejoicing once again to be in your house and to be with your people. There's something about your spirit and your presence where two or more are gathered that we can't find uh, in, in the local school system or in uh, some local uh, civic group, but there's something special when your people gather for worship that does our hearts and our lives good. But Father, we're not ones to just come and, and soak in this um, time of, of good music and singing and scripture reading and preaching. But Father, we want to we make a difference in our world. And Father, we want to be your people outside of these walls. Uh, this building is simply is not the church, but your people that come to worship in it are the church. And so Father, as we come together as the gathered church, remind us that we are the scattered church when we leave this place. And Father, as we go about our ways to our jobs and our homes and our interests within our community, Father, help us to go forward as that scattered church with the love of God. As Candy mentioned earlier, we can get caught up in a lot of different things in the church. We can talk about our musical preferences or the things we like and dislike. 
But Father, the reason that we're here is because of you. And as we leave this place today and each day, Father, we take your love, your grace, and your mercy, your forgiveness out into the world that desperately needs to hear it. Father, today we pray for Sherry Cox. We pray for Margaret White. We pray for others, Lord, that need your touch today in a special way. May they feel your presence and the love of this congregation today. Father, we pray today for the city of Charlotte. Our hearts are heavy. We have a lot of questions that are unanswered. We have a lot of concerns and frustrations. Father, above all, we want justice. We pray for the family of Keith Scott, that you would comfort them in the midst of their many emotions right now. Father, we pray for the Charlotte leaders and police officers, that you would protect them and surround them, help them to practice justice, help them to lead and to carry out the duties in which they have been entrusted to carry out in ways that are fair and balanced and to seek the peace of the city. Father, we're grateful for those that you have placed in leadership for such a time as this here in Boiling Springs and in Shelby, within our state and within our nation. May these leaders look to you, may they trust in you, may they follow you, and may your church be found faithful in promoting peace and in promoting justice and fairness within the communities that you have called us to be in. Father, this day is your day, and again we pray that the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, would be acceptable in your sight. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Our next hymn um, is found in your order of service, but as you will find it as well on either of the screens. So I invite you to stand and join with me in singing, They'll Know We Are Christians. Please stand.
As we reflect this morning on the, the theme of our worship service of true contentment in a material world, let us reflect on these words as we pray together this morning. You alone are God, King of kings, Lord of lords, living in eternal light, yet you care for us, protecting us in times of danger and giving us all that we need. All that we have comes from you, O God. We bring you our gifts this day, that those in need may find food, clothing, and shelter. We commit ourselves to acts of goodness, generosity, and hospitality, for we know that you are with us, and you walk with us into the future with hope. Amen. Candy. If you have your Bibles today, I encourage you to keep 1 Timothy open. Uh, we're going to be walking through the passage that Miles and Alyssa read. Thank you guys for doing that today. If you're like me, and as Candy mentioned earlier as well, uh, a love for all music, uh, I would also fall into that category of almost all music. Uh, I won't go into that, but I, I love almost all music. Any good music that has a good message and a positive sound. Um, 
I, I, am, I am all for it. And one of the most popular themes I think you'll hear in all music is love. Obviously, if it's faith-based music, it's the love of God. Uh, we've been challenged about uh, to love one another in the last song that we just sang together as a congregation. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And we find those themes uh, as well in music that we all the music that we find on the radio, love toward one another, you know, um, that special someone in your life. But I would venture to say that uh, we could probably pick two or three that may tie for second as far as the themes of most songs that we hear on the radio. And one of those topics or one of those themes would probably have to do with money. It comes up in country music from time to time, comes up in rap and hip-hop, and it also comes up when you listen to some Pink Floyd or Aerosmith or the Beatles or you name the group, you hear at times or maybe in an album some song or songs that reference money. And so that's where we find ourselves today. Paul was counseling young Timothy. And last week we read from 1 Timothy 2 about how he was counseling him to pray for kings, to pray for all those in authority. And we spent some time last week talking about that. And so this morning, Paul is also counseling young Timothy, but in a way he's also counseling Boiling Springs Baptist. Pray, pray with me once again. Father, we commit this time to you. We pray, Lord, that the distractions that we may have come into this place uh, with, Lord, that we would set those to the side and allow you to speak to our hearts in ways that we need to be spoken to this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul writes Timothy to encourage him to pursue those things that are timeless and true. Paul knew that not only young Timothy, but you and I as well, are pulled this way and pulled that way, and we constantly have things that are uh, vying for our time and our attention and also our resources. Timothy is young. He's already shown promise as a great young minister, and Paul is now a seasoned minister. And so he writes, again, to instruct young Timothy. The reason for Paul writing to Timothy is found, I mentioned this last week in chapter 3, verse 15, where Paul wrote, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the assembly or in the house of God. True contentment in a material world. True contentment in a material world. There are over 600 references in all of the New Testament regarding money and the use of money. Jesus was pretty hard and fast uh, about this topic as well, once telling a, a young rich man uh, to, to go and sell all he had and to give the money to the poor. In today's passage, and again, we're going to walk through this, what uh, they read in Second Timothy, or excuse me, 1 Timothy 6, beginning at verse 6, Paul mentions two kinds of people, and we're going to see here those two kinds of people that he mentions in this passage. But let's look again at verse 6. Godliness actually is a means of great gain which uh, when accompanied by contentment. This word contentment only appears in Paul's writings, and he mentions it in Corinthians, and he mentions it here a couple times in uh, Timothy as well. And when, uh, in the Greek, it can be translated simply as sufficiency. When you look up contentment in your scriptures, it may say sufficiency, to know that uh, I have sufficient needs uh, that have been met uh, or that are being met. I came across a saying this week that says, our itch for things is a virus draining the soul of contentment. My dad, I laughed this morning because my dad would often say growing up, I don't want to be rich. I just want a little bit more. And I think all of us could be found with that sense of, of, uh, of where we're headed and where we want to go. We don't necessarily have to have everything. Maybe we just want a little bit more. We'll miss contentment if keeping rather than releasing becomes our objective. 
was also in this quote. We too often love things and use people when we should be using things and loving people. We are most content when we're grateful for what we own, satisfied with what we make, and generous to those in need. Contentment. Came across a story this week of a young, or a, yeah, a young rich industrialist uh, who was uh, also a fisherman, and he was bothered by this lowly fisherman that he saw just, um, he had caught his fish, and, and this young, he was just resting on his boat and, and enjoying the day. And the, the, the older uh, fisherman that was uh, quite wealthy, he says, why don't you go catch more fish? Um, why don't you go catch more fish, uh, the rich man said. And, he's, and the, the young man, uh, who was, you know, quite poor as well, but yet had, had fished, he said, well, what would I do with them if I caught more? He said, well, you could earn more money, came the impatient reply. You could buy a better boat so you could go deeper and catch more fish. And you could purchase nylon nets and catch even more fish and make more money. Soon you'd have a fleet of boats and be rich like me. Well, the fisherman asked, well, then what would I do? You could sit down and enjoy life, said the rich industrialist. And the young fisher says, well, what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> the fisherman replied as he looked out to the sea. We think, if you've been like me in life or whatever phase, that we're all here in different phases of life, we think we want to acquire, we want to acquire, we want to acquire. And some of us had been down that road of acquiring and realizing that the acquiring of possessions and the acquiring of material wealth doesn't mean contentment. I think that goes without saying, but I wanted to, to state that. Let's get through the passage. So verse 6 talks about godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Verse 7, for we have brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it either. I love that verse. It reminds us from whence we have come and whence we are going. Verse 8, if we have food and covering for these, we shall be content. I love Solomon, what he said in Proverbs 30, verse 8. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Verse 9, those who want to get rich, that's the first person that Paul talks about in this passage. Again, there's two people. This is the first one. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare in many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men, plunge men into ruin and destruction. This verse here, Paul opens up um, opens up the floodgates of this sense of selfish desires. Uh, he says, when those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare in many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men where? And it's like the ultimate um, devastation here. He says, into ruin and into destruction. There's a sense of, of the completeness of the fall. It's not that it hurts men, but it leads men, mankind, all the way to ruin and destruction. In verse 10, for the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But he says in verse 11, flee, run away from, escape these things. Same word he used in 2 Timothy 2.22 when he says, flee youthful lust. Flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. I was thinking this week, if we were to compare and contrast contentment versus the materialist, we could say, think of some examples, we could say, I have the, 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 the contented one, the one that is content would say, I have adequate transportation. The materialist would say, I must have a luxury car. 
The one contented says, I have appropriate clothes for various environments in my community. A materialist would say only name brand clothes from certain places will work. More accessories, more jewelry, and I need to let everyone know. Content, a contentment, one who is contented would say, I have food. The materialist would say the presentation of the food and the aesthetics of the room in which I eat it are most important. Contentment says, I have a job that I enjoy and one that he provides for the needs of my family. A materialist would say, I must continue to pursue greater income and higher rank. Verses 17 through 19 that was read earlier. This leads us to the second person. The first one was those who want to get rich, those who desire riches. The second person in verse 17, Paul says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. The rich are not to be haughty or purse proud, to use, it, to use another phrase. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Instruct them, these are now again, Paul's talking to the rich. Instruct them to be good, to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. This is not necessarily a tithing sermon, but I want to encourage and challenge each of you, uh, obviously, to tithe and be faithful. I asked the question in committee meetings and in a deacon's meeting just recently, and what would it look, and many of you are, are, are tithe, and many of you tithe above uh, uh, what, many, what we say is 10%. And uh, uh, I often question and wonder if, if everyone who attended, uh, whether it's every week or, or at least twice a month, if everyone tithed, what would that look like? What, would, what ministries would we be able to, to do? What uh, new uh, ministries would we be able to, uh, how would the kingdom be different if everyone tithed? We have a wonderful food pantry here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. There's ideas about ways to expand that. There are ways to expand, ideas about ways to expand our sports and our athletic ministries here at the church. There's ways and ideas and discussions about ways to expand our ministries with, with men and our ministries with women in particular as far as different ministry and avenues and things that we could do. Um, what would that look like? I came across a bumper sticker that I love. You know, many of you have maybe seen the one that says, honk if you love Jesus. I love the one that says uh, here, tithe if you love Jesus. Any fool can honk. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, the rich are not condemned for their wealth here in verse 17 and 18 and 19. I love that about Paul uh, in this passage. It says they're not condemned for their wealth, uh, but they are told to renounce it. Rather, they are told not to be haughty, not to walk around thinking that everything is secure. Many of us have maybe at one point in your life you've been down that road and you felt very secure and it was only a, either a family illness or a wreck or an accident or something or a flood or a fire and immediately all those things that maybe brought your contentment, brought contentment your way, have, and your life has completely been devastated. Paul doesn't, again, denounce wealth, but per se, but he teaches Christians that we must use what they have for the right purpose. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of these passages, and I want to read just a few verses from the first person that Paul mentions here. He says, for those who want to get rich, back up beginning at verse 6, um, Eugene Peterson writes in the message, but if it's only money these leaders are after, they'll self-destruct in no time. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly 
ever after. Now, for those who are rich, this is the reading of verses 17 through 19 out of the message. Tell those rich in this world, and, excuse me, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God, who piles on all the riches that we could ever imagine, to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Hebrews 13.5, the author also says, Make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. What would it take for you to be truly content today? I hope you would say that you are. I watched a video this week that we thought about showing during the, the, the sermon this morning, but I decided not to. But it was a good little video, and it was a guy basically doing interviews with people on the street about, are you content? And I would say about 95% of those in the video said no, they were not content. And they were asked what, would, what could help them to be more content, and almost all of them said money. Uh, there was one or two that said, I like the, the way the video was done. There were one or two that said, I am content. I don't have everything I want, but I'm content. And they mentioned and, and spoke of their faith briefly. What if the life situation you are in right now doesn't change? Could you find contentment? We all here this morning have goals of things maybe that we want to do, we want to see, um, different possessions, different things we want to acquire, different things we want to see within our children. What if the life situation that we are in right now doesn't change? Do you have commitment in the midst of your current circumstances? I love the quote by John Wesley. I strongly urge everyone to work as hard as you can to make all the money that you can and spend as little as you can in order to give away all that you can. I propose to you this morning that true contentment can only be found while living in fellowship with the one who created you. Wednesday night, I had a quote by St. Augustine that I've mentioned now for a couple Wednesdays, and I, I feel appropriate to mention it again this morning. It's been on my mind. It says, he wrote, thou hast created us for thyself. Talking about God. Thou hast created us for thyself, and we are restless until we find our rest in thee. True contentment can only be found while living in fellowship with the one who created us. We can do this because of what Jesus Christ has done for us this morning. His life, his death, his resurrection. Let me ask a question this morning. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you found contentment in your walk with God? Everything in your life may not be exactly where you want it to be. And there's some, a lot of young people in the room, not only youth, but young adults, those that are right in the middle of your career, many who will be beginning your career. We see some clear instruction from Paul a clear challenge about the love of money. My hope and prayer is that we don't have to learn the lessons the hard way. We joke a lot of times in ministry about how things are trial and error. Well, let's just try this and let's, let's see how things go. Well, that didn't work. Well, let's try something else. Um, Paul doesn't speak of, of a sense of, of hopefulness when he says that the love of money will lead to our ruin and our destruction. Some of you, unfortunately, in the room maybe have experienced what that might look like. And you've went through some tough times. Some of you have seen family or friends go through tough times as well when their contentment was not based in the one in whom they were created. As I referenced at the beginning of my time 
music. Um, it's very important to me. It's important to many of us in the room. There's something about music that takes us to different places. Um, we mentioned love. We mentioned uh, wealth and, and, and money being found in music. But when we find true contentment in our walk with God, we echo the words of an old hymn that many of you know in this room by Ray Miller, made popular by George Beverly Shea. It goes a little something like this. You can kind of hum it or sing it along with me if you like. I'd rather have Jesus than silver gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Father, our desire is to know you, our desire is to walk with you, our desire is to worship you, and our desire is to share your love and your grace and your mercy with those to whom we come in contact with each and every day. Father, if we have placed our source of sufficiency in material things, our source of, of happiness in the things that we can possess, and the material, the, the finances that we can gain, Lord, help us to confess that this morning. Father, help us to realize that you are the only one who can bring about true contentment. Father, help us as your church to be people who are contented in the midst of our material world. There's nothing wrong with gaining things and having a savings account. But Lord, if we put all our trust in those things, that is not what you desire. Father, help us to be free from the love of money and help us to use what we have wisely so that others who are hungry can be fed, who are without clothes and basic necessities can have what they need. Father, help us to manage money in a way that you would be pleased with. And bless this your church as well, Father, as we think about our current ministries and ministries that you would have us to be about in the future. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. I don't know where you are this morning in life and just with decisions that maybe the Lord is working in your heart about, but if you desire church membership here at Boiling Springs, we'd be glad to talk with you about that. Uh, if you desire to pray, the altar is open. Um, if you want to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you've pursued different material pursuits and realized the only way that you can be contented is to enter in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The altar is open. Let's stand and sing.